Welcome to Unaborted with Seth Gruber and the final edition, part four, of our two and a half hour conversation with Claire Chamber and Audrey Werner. If you're tuning in right now and you've missed some podcast episodes, uh, you really got to go back. Uh, listen, I can't make you do it, but this conversation right now that you're about to hear is not going to make a, a lot of sense if you don't go back to part one, part two, and part three of our, of our long-form conversation on how we got here, the demonic roots of sex in America, and the the intentionally planned nature of the sexual revolution. None of this was coincidental. We're now in this final edition of this long-form episode because it's very important for you to understand that there has been a demonic side to the sex ed movement, the sexual revolution, and a lot of the humanist revolutionaries um, who were not just low-level like cultural warriors, like they were high-level revolutionaries who in their own writings were very clear about their hatred for Christianity, their hatred for God, their hatred for the sanctity of life and for the pre-born and for the family. These, these people have been very clear about this. So this is not an episode that you should probably play in the car with your children. Let me just say this. What if I told you that one of Alfred Kinsey, the father of the sexual revolution's favorite heroes and men he looked up to was one of the most popular Satanists in the 20th century who was referred to as the beast and one of the most evil men to have ever lived. And this man raped and murdered babies whose sexual data Alfred Kinsey tried very hard to get. This man who summed up the law of Satanism with the phrase, do as thou wilt. Buckle up. You're in for a treat, I think. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Um, yes. Because this is a significant puzzle piece, isn't it? To, yes, it to understanding Sikhus. It is. Um, so you talk about the Temple of Understanding. No, I, I'm sorry. Oh, I do in, your in book, the book. Yes, I'm And sorry. the meditation room yes. at the UN. And you actually make the point in your book, Claire, that the, the Temple of Understanding uh, was financed by many people. Uh, one of whom was Lester Kirkendall. Lester Kirkendall. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Once again, just right. to just to frame the timbers, um, and th this is important. And then I want to defer back to you, Claire. Sikas writes in their Articles of Incorporation on April twentieth, nineteen sixty four, that one of its purposes is to be religious in scope. Which is funny because the humanists and the atheists always say that they're not religious, right? Mm -hmm. And on on Article Third, Paragraph G of the Articles of Incorporation. Of Sikhus, they say, to conduct and carry on the war, the war, the word of the of the work of the council, not for profit, but exclusively for religious, charitable, scientific, literary, literary or educational purposes. Um, their articles of incorporation say one of their reasons is is religious in scope. Well, obviously, they're talking about the religion of humanism, right. which has links to the occult. Could you talk about that? Because for Christians to understand, yeah. this was a proxy war attack yes. against Christianity yes. and God. Yes. First, let's understand just a quote. It's my own definition of secular humanism. It's based on 
all my studies. Good. It's based on reading this. It's based on reading both Humans Manifestos 1 and 2. Yeah. A conglomerate of information. So yeah. I'm going to, it's two paragraphs. But, May I? Yes, of course. I say that secular humanism is a man-centered ideology whose believers embrace in varying degrees the religion of militant atheism, the politics of socialism, the philosophy of materialism, the hypothesis, and that's all it is, it's not a theory, of evolution and the morality of situation ethics, that is no moral absolutes. Humanist leadership condones abortion, euthanasia, suicide, premarital sex, adultery, sexual perversions, pornography, and the use of drugs, to name a few. We've never had time to get into that. That's right. But humanism's major thrust aims to destroy all independent national sovereignties, to exterminate all organized religions, particularly Christianity, and to establish a one-world collectivist order in which God's word is, is uh, rejected and man is his own God. Wow. And that's, I wanted to be sure we understood that before we go on and we have to discuss the United Nations meditation room. Meditation room, that's right. <laughs> yes. Which Audrey has shared with me prior. Uh, you've, you've had uh, a chance to Actually step stand. into at, at one point. <laughs> Okay. Um, but the Temple of Understanding, according to you, Claire, was established in Washington, D.C. Yes. With the, with the explicit goal of uh, creating a conglomeration of the major world religions yes. represented in these different rays of a, sort of a sun. Um, and obviously what we're talking about, right, is we're talking about universalism. All roads lead to God. All religions yes. are equally true. It's, it's, yes. And it's a way to usher in the one world government because mm -hmm. once all religions are equal and represented at the world level, then then um, then none are. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just the it's just the religion of humanism. Right. Um, but can you talk about kind of what you found out with the occult side of a lot of these yes. movements and yes. people? Uh, do they, do they, oh. I know I, I, I got it. Here it is. <laughs> Sorry. No okay. Um, just so you know now, we're talking about a meditation room on the first floor of the United Nations. I've been there. I've been inside. Even when it was locked, I got in there that day. <laughs> I was also there when it, at a time when it wasn't locked. They used to let you go in public. Now they don't anymore. So um, I want to just point back very, very briefly that the acting secretary general of the UN's founding conference in San Francisco, June of 1945, was Algerhis. Oh, wow. And he was a secret Soviet spy who was convicted later in 1950 and sent to prison right. for his communist activities. <laughs> After a stream of former communists testified they had worked with him in the Communist Party. And nevertheless, he was the chief planner and executive 
of the 1945 UN conference that drafted the charter. And Hiss carried that charter personally back to Washington. Wow. He was the one to hand the charter to the pre to the uh, Congress and President. Wow. Now, um, so keeping that in mind, here we have a picture of the uh, meditation room. When you walk into it, it's a very, very small room. I'd say, I, I can't measure it, but I'd say just this area that we're yeah. talking and maybe, maybe from here over to the wall. And it's very, very dark. It's so dark you could trip. That's how dark it is. Uh, it's got a six-ton iron ore altar in the middle of the room. And uh, there's a single stream of light coming down on the altar. Mm. And that represents Lucifer. And I will explain how I know that. <laughs> I had a, uh, a magazine, a copy of uh, the, the Theosophist 1913, in 1913. I don't recall the month. And for our listeners, Claire, too, this is fascinating because you make the point in your book that the Theosophist magazine was originally called the Lucifer magazine. Yes, yes, uh, Lucifer magazine. And that communist Annie Besant in 1891. A Fabian socialist. That's right, who, who uh, took over the magazine and changed the name from Lucifer magazine yes. to the Theosophist. Yes, yes. And so when you're talking about this um, this light, you said, yes. <laughs> in the, on the altar in the UN's meditation yes. room that you said that you can prove and know represents Lucifer. Yes. Um, you say in your book that the, the, the UN's meditation room was maintained by the Lucis Trust Yes. Um, which had been re, which had been uh, the the sponsor and promoter of the Lucifer magazine. Yes. So, anyways. Yes. And it's that like whoa. Copy, <laughs> that copy in 1913 of the uh, Theosophist, the, the Theosophist, the uh, front cover shows Lucifer descending in a, 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 sh a shaft of light, and he looks like an angel. Wow. And it, and it says he's Lucifer. Wow. Okay. Uh, now, on, off, uh, on, the, on the very magazine yeah. published by the same group yes. that was maintaining the UN's meditation it room that set it up. the statue as Lucifer. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, now, um, go, moving right along, uh, another thing. Oh, we want to hold this up again. So sure. as I discuss this, uh, hopefully the camera can pick this up. So the, here is the iron, six-ton iron ore slab. But, of course, you can't see that shaft of light because of the photography. Okay, it didn't pick it up. But do you notice all this uh, mural on the wall? Right. That, that's very interesting to me. And I can't say that I know, I can't uh, identify every, everything that's in this abstract. You notice a lot of um, uh, rectangles and triangles. I'll get back to that. But there's also, uh, in occult literature, there's the all-seeing eye, uh, they say, of God. If you look at this abstract, there's the all-seeing eye. 
very modern looking, of course. And um, so uh, also, uh, so I mean, that is, that is uh, definitely a cult. I see that in every occult magazine, every occult, uh, uh, you know, description and so forth. The all-seeing eye is there. In fact, it's on our $1 bill, is it not? Mm. Mm -hmm. That's right. Okay. Now, you also notice here there's a, a staff. Uh, there's a staff, and it's it's uh, engulfed or encircled by a uh, what looks like, in abstract terms, it could be a snake. Now, the, this is called the caduceus, this uh, this staff with something wrapped around it. It was the magic, it was said to be the magic wand of the Greek god Hermes, and allegedly Hermes was most known for leading disembodied spirits into the underworld or hell, and he was able to bring some of them back. <laughs> supposedly. So that's uh, part of this. Wow. Uh, by the way, there's a total absence of anything in traditional uh, religious symbolism, right, of course. course. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing is this uh, item that's wound around it. What could that be? Now, this is called the staff, or rather the inter the and entwined uh, item that's around that. In the occult, it's called kundalini, and it's part of yoga. Uh, it's a, kundalini is a Sanskrit word that means coiled, hmm. okay, right. or circular. In the occult, kundalini, and I've read this in numerous places, it applies to the life force that lies like a coiled serpent at the base of the spine, we're talking yoga now, that can be sent along the spine to the head through the chanting of mantras and other sources of meditation. And this process allegedly can be unbearably painful, often accompanied by shaking, jerking, or spasms. So that's the... Uh, you know, that's the abstract that I believe it was uh, Dog Hammarskjöld uh, designed that he was very, I think he was a secretary general of the UN in maybe in the early days. Wow. So now what about these, these patterns here, these uh, triangles, rectangles, and so on? I can't say what that is. I can only tell you this. If you look up Havelock Ellis and the internet. Yes. You will find that he conducted a, with mescaline, the drug mescaline, he conducted a personal experiment. I think it was in 1896. And uh, this was with mescaline. And he described that in that session, which lasted 24 hours, and keep in mind, he was an associate and lover of Margaret Sanger. That's right. Yeah. He used to see geometrical uh, uh, squares and triangles. So I don't know if that has anything to do with this. <laughs> I'll leave that up to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And Havelock Ellis was essentially England's Alfred Kinsey. Yes, he was. A a true, a true sexual sexual deviant, pervert, and revolutionary. And he he drove his wife uh, insane. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. By describing his experiences (laughs) sexually with With uh, Margaret Sanger. Yeah, yeah. Eventually drove her insane, yeah. What, what a guy! What a great husband! Um, as we yes. as we wind down, guys, because um, we we I know we need to wrap up now. Yes. But the last occult side of the, the conversation I wanted to add, um, Audrey, was about um, the apparent respect and fascination that Alfred Kinsey had for Aleister Crowley. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Um, because. For those of you who don't know, Aleister Crowley is one of the most famous Satanists of the 20th century. Right. Aleister Crowley has been called the beast and the most evil man to have ever lived. He was a white supremacist and a serial rapist of children. Mm-hmm. And he summed up all the law and the prophets of Satanism when he said, do as thou wilt. Yeah. Um, can you talk about that last maybe occult aspect of this that people probably need to be aware of? Yeah, and in my presentations, when I'm in the public, I show the picture, and I can hold it up. I don't know that you can see it <laughs> and there, what is but this you picture? can zoom Describe it. Describe it for us. It is Kinsey standing in Alistair Crowley's um, temple he had in Sicily, and this was a temple for Satan where he would rape, torture, and murder babies and sacrifice them to yeah, like, Satan. Like literally, though. Literally. Yeah, so like, Kate, uh, Kinsey not, is, not that Satan cares about whether it's figure, figurative <laughs> yes. or literal, but we're saying for Crowley it was literal. Yes, yeah. literal. And um, the shadow of Kinsey is over Aleister Crowley. He had a tremendous amount of respect and awe for Aleister Crowley because he kept diaries of the experiences he had with these babies. <laughs> yeah. And Kinsey wanted that for his data. Yeah. So the, the connection... And he's there standing with, yes. I believe, the documentarian of yes. Aleister Crowley. Yes, Kenneth Anger is... Appropriately named. Yes, is with him, who is a friend of Kinsey. He's the connection between the two men. And um, so... And it was interesting because I just met somebody who w- was raised in this village. Oh, my gosh. Because one of the movies I'm in, The Mind Polluters, Italy now wants that translated into Italian. They want to learn about Kinsey. And this gentleman, um, he said, I am from that village. And we knew of that temple. Wow. So he actually validated that this this really does exist. And um, so uh, anyway, but yeah, so you have the clearly the demonic occult in and, you know, my husband being in church work in the past has dealt with people who uh, worship Satan. Uh, he had an encounter with one. And everything is the opposite of what Christianity is. Yeah, so yeah, if course. we're worshiping the Lord in our service, they're raping children and hitting each yeah. other in their service. Well, do, so, as, do as thou wilt. Yes. It's, it's, just the, um, it's just the modern translation of the serpent in Genesis 3. Yes. Ye shall be as gods. Yes. Um, eat, yes. eat the apple, and ye shall be as gods. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, you both have done incredible work in exposing this and connecting the pieces for American concerned citizens in the church. Um, you lead a ministry, Audrey, called the Matthew 18 group. Um, 
why don't you leave us with a a sliver of hope um, for the church, given the last two hours of heaviness uh, yes. that we've covered, um, and and maybe how do we get out of this mess? And what would be your encouragement, especially to Christians? You know, when I started this ministry back in 1997, um, 20 years after Claire wrote her book, um, and I had those little parent meetings, um, I took the first Christian sex ed program, which has in it um, Lester Kirkendall, Alfred Kinsey, Hugh Hefner. I always say, look at the bibliography if you want to know by whose authority are these things, you know, being written. And so this was the first Christian sex ed, and it was in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. So I was meeting with small groups of parents, and I would take the book that uh, was intended for 10-year-olds, and it had the description of sexual intercourse. And so I would give it to a father, and I'd say, could you read this? And they couldn't. And um, I ended up like Claire when I started this in 1998, being put on a committee in the Lutheran school where I had grown up. And it was the Sex Education Curriculum Review Committee. And I got up to speak. And um, at that point, I was just starting to read her book. I'm just starting to find out about Alfred Kinsey. I had a thimble of what I know now. And I said, can I talk for 15 minutes? I asked the principal ahead of time because I, I, this is why we have a problem with this, this sex ed and we need to pull it. And um, he said, absolutely. And so I got up to speak. And it was the first time I had ever spoken on this. And I'm coughing and gagging and coughing and gagging. And, and I can't get the words out. I'm, you know, And I thought, I'm going mentally through my mind while I'm doing this thinking, okay, I'm not sick and I'm a public speaker. So it, it's not nervousness. And then it dawned on me, this is spiritual warfare. So I thought, well, I'm going to sound like a fool, but I'm going to push through anyway. And I did. And when I sat down after 15 minutes, I was physically exhausted. And the thing that struck me is while I was speaking, uh, there were male teachers there because it was the largest committee, the most controversial. There were male teachers there. There were female teachers there. There were parents, mostly moms, the head pastor, the principal. While I was speaking, all of the men had their heads bowed. Mm. Nobody was giving me eye contact um, except for the principal who had given me permission. And I talked to Colonel Ray from RSVP America, and I shared that experience with him. And he said, that's because the Holy Spirit was speaking through you. And because, he said, our men have been compromised by the sexual revolution. And our men in the church have been compromised by the sexual revolution. So I always, when I'm talking to audiences, I say, we, we were born into the sexual revolution. So a lot of us carry sexual sin that has unconfessed and needs to be taken to the cross. Right. And we, because we have a loving savior that died for those sins. But Satan loves to put, uh, for us to put it in our backpack and beat us over the head so that we are ineffective yep. in the culture we live in today. So I have prayed, Lord, just get me to the remnant because it's not easy in this ministry to bring all of this truth, even though it's clearly the church is under attack. Christianity is under attack in America. Our biblical foundations, we're in the, the, the country of George Washington right now. And I said to her this morning, I said, you know, we're going to battle right now in this interview. Yep. And it's spiritual warfare yep. is, is what we have. So I love this quote. And it's what kind of started me in the beginning. It, it was Martin Luther quote <laughs> coming from 
the Lutheran Church, if I profess with the loudest voice and the clearest <laughs> exposition right. every portion of the truth of God, except precisely that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I'm not confessing Christ, however boldly I may be professing Christ. Where the battle Where rages. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefield besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that one point. And yep. we've it's not flinched. Yeah. We've not flinched. And so I always like to, with Martin Luther King, I have a dream, you know, and I have a dream where American colleges, uh, you know, Christian colleges teach this stuff. Yeah. If they went into the universities and did all this bad stuff, then let's go in and yeah. start teaching the right yeah. stuff. Yeah. I have where we can restore God's law and make it honorable again. And there are legislators that actually have that intent. Judith met with Justice Scalia and he said, instead of us coming up with all these new laws to protect what we're losing, if we threw out the common law that was based on the Bible and we brought in the model penal code, which is based on Kinsey's science, shouldn't we be throwing that out That's and right. restoring God's law and making it honorable again? Yeah. I'm having a conference next month with some state legislators and pastors to look at that. Good. I mean, God is opening doors mm -hmm. like I've never seen before. And one of them was in 2018 when I said, Lord, take me to the remnant. And just through a series of events <laughs> that God set up, yep. I ended up in Uganda at the moment wow. that they were about to cave to the UN and Planned Parenthood International right. and put sex ed in their schools. Yep. And when I went in and presented this information, <clears throat> the Minister of Ethics and Integrity, Dr. Bichero got up and he said, Professor Warner, never have I heard such a, uh, such a talk. He said, in our hearts, we knew it was wrong, but we didn't know why. Wow. And you so just gave us the why. That's amazing. And I thought, wow, God put me at the right place at the yeah. right time. And it's just a matter of us taking a stand. That's what um, RSVP, they said, if one person takes a stand against what is going on here, and if God could take one mama and stand up against the UN and Planned Parenthood International and change one nation, what can he do with 10 people in America? Right. <laughs> so I want to encourage, we're on the winning side here. That's right. yes. <laughs> and we, yep. it took them a small group to get where we yep. are today. And you it helped takes... bring about international change yes. for righteousness. Yes. And yes. by the way, the UN holds consultative statuses at the United Nations. Yes. So the, the goal has always been a one world government. It's always yes. been to usher in a totalitarian Kind of communist Marxist vision exactly. at the world level. Yes, um, and and, uh, and Planned Parenthood does the same thing with their sex ed and abortions and birth control and and Bill Gates always trying to get poor black countries mm -hmm. to get pumped full of birth control and abortions. And of course, <laughs> Bill Gates' father sat on the board of Planned Parenthood. Yes. So you know we're all done framing the timbers for now. <laughs> yes. but uh, yes. the now that you know the why audience, <laughs> you can be one to stand yes, and, and, and be able to bring this information to the public, to your pastors, to your, the, your Christian schools where you send your kids yes. or Christian colleges to start turning things around. And I'll give you the last thought, Audrey, but let me quote Claire one more time. Yes, You asked this question in your book, what type of society can we expect to see? If the foregoing values as fostered by Sikhs continue to flourish in the classroom as young kids are encouraged to choose their own moral behavior patterns via situation ethics or relativism. This book was published in 1977. Um, it's been almost 50 years. 
And could you have ever predicted American culture in 2023 when you wrote I that never, question? I never could have predicted that. Yeah, look at where we, we are today. Look at where we are today, exactly. Yep. Bad seeds, bitter harvest, mm-hmm. and uh, it's time for people to wake up. Audrey has a book here as well. Yes, and uh, you <laughs> once told Audrey, I believe, that you thought she picked up where you she left did. off. So and why don't you give an endorsement <laughs> of Audrey's book? I, I, I did give her an endorsement. <laughs> uh, did, I mean, any? right now, yes, to the is, listeners. Yes, but you're, <laughs> one you gave me. Yeah, I gifted that to her. That's but, how I met her. I sent her my book. Yes. Awesome. And thanked her for her book. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I told Audrey after I read this book, this definitely is, it should be considered as a uh, sequel to the Sika Circle. Wonderful. And you did such a beautiful job. It, Ten tips very... on how not to talk to your kids about sex. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it has the history and the biblical principles. Because yes. what do we as Christian parents do in Absolutely. this culture today? And I, I would say we can raise, I have four adult children. We can raise pure kids in today's culture. Yeah. It is possible. It is possible. So You've well, done a beautiful job. Well, really. I couldn't have done it without the trailblazers <laughs> before me. That's right. So, That's right. <laughs> right. You're very I am very grateful. I showed her a list. I have four people that I want to meet sometime in my life. And I'd written this list a couple of years ago, and she's number one. Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> and, and it came to pass. It came to yeah, pass. Yeah. And I am so grateful. Uh, I, I have, uh, I think I've been educated. <laughs> <laughs> well, you knew this stuff um, before. Uh, well, let's see. This book was published right after my dad graduated high school. Really? So you've known this stuff for a long time. Yes. You've been what what Audrey and I like to call the sons or daughters of Issachar, uh, <laughs> those who understood the times, Scripture yes. says, those who understood yeah. the yes. times and knew what Israel ought to do. Yeah. Um, with knowledge comes responsibility for what you know about and your duty to Absolutely. stand up against it. And so, Claire, thank you for your book. You're thank you well. for being a trailblazer. And for those of you listening to this, I hope you realize uh, the the honor that uh, you got to hear uh, Claire um, talk and explain her knowledge and ideas behind this alternative humanist religion and revolution. Um, because if you're not aware of how what she was covering in the 70s is now manifesting full scene, full, fully onto the scene today, um, then I got nothing else for you. If you don't see that by now, I don't yeah. know if you'll ever wake up. So Claire, <laughs> Audrey, right. thank you guys. Uh, spread this, share this with your friends, send this to your pastors, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> uh, the, the, we, we are returning um, to those early revolutionaries. We're trying to rebuild um, the the timbers of how we got here of this house that we find ourselves in, which seems to resemble humanism far more than Christianity in America today. And um, this is not to puff you up with knowledge, to make you feel prideful. This is to inform and educate you, to mobilize you, to act, yes. to do something about this because our children, our families are on the line. Yes. And frankly, the future witness of the church, mm-hmm. uh, the longer that we tolerate this. Yes. Any closing words, ladies? Well, I, I had just started to say that I, I'm so grateful to be here because I, too, have been educated today listening to both of you. It's been, you know, just the way you've covered this and, and enabled me to cover what I can. And um, 
And, and for Audrey to be here too. She's yeah. a great joy. It's the first time we're meeting in person. We've yes. talked on the phone, yes. but we've never met in person. I didn't even before. know that. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just feel yeah. like she's my sister. Oh, my she gosh. My that's sister. incredible. Oh, I'm, sister that, in Christ. I'm yes. even more happy to have been a part of it than I figured <laughs> yes. that you guys had hung out multiple times. And you're responsible for bringing us together. So. Yes. Yeah, well, thank you for agreeing to to come on. And and our prayer, guys, if you're listening to this, is that this is something that people will be watching uh, for many years all around the world to understand, oh, that's how we got here. And now this is what we need to do moving forward. So check out the Matthew 18 group. Audrey's been on the show before. Claire, you're a gift to the body of Christ and to the country. Thank you for your your legwork so many years ago, connecting pieces that pretty much no one else had done at that time. And I'm sure that many babies have been saved, many marriages and families saved um, because of this book and and the work of others who read this book and were inspired yes, to do similar work. That's a perfect example. That's right. Amen. <laughs> and I just want to say too, to uh, both of you and your uh, listeners that I, I really pray that you will always live in freedom and that uh, always be under the guiding hand of God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. I'll finish with um, my favorite. Uh, I, I cite him all the time, but I think you guys will appreciate this. My favorite theologian, uh, Gandalf the Grey, um, the the wizard in uh, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, um, who, who said um, other evils are going to come. Yet it is not our part to master all the tides of the world, but to do what is in us. For the sucker of those years wherein we are set, uprooting the evil mm-hmm. in the fields that we know, yeah. so that those that live after may have clean earth to till. Oh, yes. What weather they shall have is not ours to rule. Gandalf the Grey, written that's by true. Tolkien. In other words, don't worry about the evil that's going to come down on future generations. Don't obsess over preventing prospected evils 50 years from now. Deal with the evil in the fields that you find yourself living in now and begin uprooting that evil so that your children and grandchildren will have clean earth to till. They'll have their own battles, they'll have their own evils, but you have a responsibility as a steward to create clean earth for future generations to plant their seeds in as well. And that's what you did with this book. So thank you both. God bless you both. Uh, If you like this episode, uh, head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and Rumble because I'm eventually going to get taken off of YouTube. Give us a rating and review. Subscribe. We really appreciate it. Check out this book. You can find it, of course, on Amazon or or, uh, Abe Books if you can still find used copies. And of course, Claire's book, um, 10 Tips to How to Not Talk to Your Children About Sex and and her ministry, the Matthew 18 Group. Um, If... if, uh, you want to hear me speak live and local or get Audrey on a stage or something like that, you can go to sethgruber.com and request me or a, a fellow friend that we've had on the podcast to come share these ideas with you. Um, and uh, if you listen to the podcast, uh, give us five stars and leave us a rating. It actually helps drive up the charts and more people see the show, so more people listen to this. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's been a blessing. Share this far and wide. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted.